This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm your host, Jeremy Bergeron, the Vice President of Media Strategy at Mission.org. And this is the show where twice a week, you'll get VIP access into the hearts and minds of some of the most influential marketers in the world. On Marketing Trends, we'll do two things. We'll go deep on a human level, and we'll go even deeper on the nitty gritty of what makes for the most successful marketers and strategies today. I'm glad you're here. Now let's get into it. On the show, we hear over and over again that marketing and sales need to find alignment and that the data needs to be a big part of that. Kevin Tate is the chief marketing officer of Clearbit, a company that is taking an entirely different approach when it comes to data quality and coverage. Clearbit is a tool for marketers to use to better understand customers, identify future prospects, and personalize marketing and sales interactions. And if there's one thing Kevin knows, it is the importance of quickly aligning the marketing team's vision with the customer perception and the needs of the business. I was curious how tried and true marketing pillars have influenced the way Kevin runs his marketing department, so I asked him. One of the things I've learned being on both sides of the sales and marketing equation is that there has to be a balance between marketing's vision for, well, here's how we want to be viewed in the market. And here's how we want people to think about and value what we do. And then there's the sales reality of, I'm on the phone with this person and they're asking for X. And there has to be a really close alignment between how do you help reframe or guide where you can the conversation, but how do you also understand and listen to what that customer is asking for? On this episode of Marketing Trends, Kevin and I go deep on why static or stale data is leading marketers down a precarious path when it comes to their data management. We also touch on how Clearbit is not just another data vendor, but a company that is doing radical things when it comes to empowering marketing. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Your content is at the heart of what you do. It connects your company to others, teaches them, guides them, and inspires them. But creating, managing, and editing content at scale is often very chaotic and difficult. Empower your content teams with Brightspot Content Management System, made specifically for marketers and corporate communications leaders. No more waiting for a developer to have to piece things together. Put the power to create and deliver powerful yet complex digital experiences into the hands of your marketers with a comprehensive suite of ready-to-use tools and functionality. Bring a bright spot to your tech stack, your customers, your team, with the Brightspot content management system. Visit brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to learn more. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm your host, Jeremy Bergeron. Today on the show, I'm super grateful to have Kevin Tate, the Chief Marketing Officer at Clearbit. Kevin, welcome to Marketing Trends. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. Super stoked to have you, man. We were just chatting a little bit before we hopped into the real conversation. And there's a couple of things that I I already like about you. One, I spent some due diligence time before this interview going and checking out your business and checking out Clearbit. Some just some really compelling things on the website because I found myself an hour later having downloaded reports, tried some of the tools, uh, pasted some of the code on our website. I mean, Clearbit took me on a ride. So I, I got excited about talking to you because you're clearly doing some things right on the marketing side. And um just super excited you're here, man. Give us, give us just the I always like to start with the genesis of marketing for you, right? You have an interesting career. Uh, most CMOs that come on this show have interesting backgrounds and you're like those as well. And so I'm curious for you though, what was it a particular campaign? Was it a mentor? Was it a role that really ignited this marketing like spark in you? What was that about? Yeah, wow, that's a great question. You're right. It has not been a, a linear journey. So, you know, for context, I fell in love with the internet back in school and in, in, in the early 90s. And Jumped into early stage companies, mostly in, uh, you know, I was a DBA, which is a whole like data thing that we can get back to, but mostly in like sales and business development. And then um, found I really liked doing market development, creating that momentum for the business. But when I moved to Portland, I had the opportunity to do real marketing for the first time. And the EVP at this company, Unicrew, was named Chris Reed. I had not done sort of marketing proper before, but the opportunity to work with Chris and take this strategic market development approach was what really got me, right? I, you know, I had thought of marketing as, I don't know, the materials and the, the decks and the sort of the things you see, but not so much the, the strategic piece of how do you participate in a market and how do you, how do you create the sort of emergent outcome that is a company that creates value and captures value, right? At the highest level. And that, and for me, that was like, okay, that's what I want to go work on is how do you create and capture value as a company in a market? And yeah, so I, I've, uh, I've, there's been a marketing aspect to my roles ever since. Wow, that's super interesting. Um, and I know you also spent some time at SurveyMonkey as well. There's some cool, cool brands that are certainly notable. Yeah. Uh, from, from your time there at SurveyMonkey, were there some, some kind of key takeaways that you've kind of brought over to your role now as CMO at Clearbit? Yeah, yeah. That's a great question. SurveyMonkey was a super fun place to be. The immediacy of the data is pretty shocking there. So what, what my group worked on and basically the market research side of SurveyMonkey, it was how do you bring immediate market research, real-time market research into things like focus groups and, and sort of the you know, tried and true market research domain. And, and we weren't so much trying to replace things like focus groups or, or long-term studies, but we were bringing an element of trying package A versus package B or understanding what connects between a customer product in a way where you could get answers within an hour. And that was, you know, we were working with some, some, some of the biggest brands in the world. And to be able to say to a group, there's a set of things you're going to study for the next three months, and you're going to learn lots of very important, interesting things. But I, I can answer questions for you from the start of this meeting to the end and feel what that's like too, right? To have this immediacy of the data. And, mm. and so, you know, to your question, I think a lot of what Clearbit, you know, seeks to bring to teams is that immediate, real-time, actionable data, 
right? It's not about how many records you have in your warehouse. And it's not about it, those things are important. But what what matters most when someone that you uh, is important to your business lands on your website is knowing right then who are they, what are they looking for, and what can I put in front of them that creates engagement. And that that immediacy is, I think, a big theme for data in our uh, in our domain. Mm, I love that. I love the immediacy of data, and it seems like. You have certainly having that visibility at SurveyMonkey and seeing how, like the story that data was telling, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Salesforce is our, is our sponsor for this show and mm-hmm. Salesforce, they do it every year. They put out of state of marketing kind of report, right. Mm-hmm. And they survey all these marketing leaders and it's a, it's a pretty insightful report. One of the, the kind of key pieces of return feedback was, you know, marketing is spelled D-A-T-A, you know, mm-hmm. which is certainly mm-hmm. not anything new for marketers, but to understand Man, this data—it's so—it's—it's it's oil, you know. It's we had the, you know, we had an executive from Elastic uh, on on one of another shows that I host, and they just talked about how how they look at data as oil and how it's so rich in story and information, and then how they use that to tell a really intelligent, you know, story, and then mm-hmm. they execute something internally or you know create something for the for the customer. So I love your foundation of data that seems to certainly inform where you're at at Clearbit. Tell tell the folks who kind of tune in. Give us the elevator pitch on Clearbit. I know that it's like a this data engine for customer interactions, um, but tell tell us just what who is the what is Clearbit? What do you guys do? And then also tell us your role as CMO. Like, what are you kind of overseeing now in your role for that business? Yeah, sure, sure. So there's sort of two parts to Clearbit. There's there's the data, and we have data about every company with a website that we collect from hundreds of public sources. And then there's what you do with the data, which is the, a platform we have to put that data to work in your ad campaigns, personalizing your website, shortening your forms, enriching all your other systems. So I, I kind of think about it as get the full picture by having all the data you need and then put it to work. And, and most of the time, what people are putting it to work on in their, in their B2B funnel is things like acquisition, right? Trying to be better at targeting and bringing people in. Conversion. They're trying to remove friction. They're trying to make it easier for more people to convert or or uh, raise their hand. And then on the operations side, having rich real time data from sort of the the front to back of your revenue operations that ends up mattering a lot, right? And trying to get this end to end picture. So so that's what people are doing with Clearbit. In terms of my role there, uh, and I've I've been at Clearbit for about five months now. We have a really interesting opportunity from a from a market positioning perspective, uh, Clearbit has been very fortunate to have, I think, a, a strong reputation and strong awareness among uh, growth marketers and among data-driven marketers and growth engineers. And that's where we that's where we started. And a lot of those folks are our customers of Clearbit and have helped us define and create our products. What I am most interested in doing is bringing that capability now to organizations that maybe don't have a growth engineering and a data science team, right? And and that's a lot of what we've built our our platform to do. It used to be, even just a couple of years ago, much more difficult to get data out of several different systems and put it to work in real time to do something like streamline a web interaction. But now we can do that. You know, platforms like Clearbit can give you that with with a no code capability for a marketing team to put that data into work right away. And so um, that's my that's my mission is uh, take Clearbit from perhaps one of the best kept secrets 
to something that's maybe not so secret uh, and working with with companies who are focused on data-driven growth. Data-driven growth, of course, it's a lot of a lot of brands will talk about that in different ways. Who is like who is that ideal target customer for you? Who are the brands that you know certainly are listening to this that would want to check you out? But who are these ideal folks? Because it seems like you could you could help a lot of different businesses out at different stages. But then I'm assuming you might have narrowed down a bit. Yeah, no, it's it's a really interesting question because we do work with companies of all sizes and stages, and I'll I'll highlight a couple of pockets where. I think we see some real patterns in how data sort of fuels the business. So one is with uh, ABM, with account-based marketing motions, right? And I know that's something you you talked about in a in a podcast recently. That is very much a data-dependent exercise, right? So what companies to target? Who are the people at those companies? How do I understand what they're doing? How do I use all this data at my disposal in an increasingly digital? Uh, interaction uh, and customer journey. So a lot of times what Clearbit's being pulled into is a company that is implementing an ABM strategy and needs the data and more importantly, the integrations to put that data to work at all the different points in that that marketing and sales funnel. Um, So we're often attached to something like that at it like a B2B enterprise SaaS company, right? So okay. uh, a company that is that is com- combining online selling motion with some kind of enterprise sales team. Mm, but then there's okay. a whole other group uh, that's also super interesting, which is uh, product-led growth companies. So okay. PLG companies, uh, you know, and, and think of companies who who lead with the product, right? And you you get to try a product uh, to see what it's like and create that value for you and your team before you sign up. They've built funnels that also depend on really good data to know of all the people trying my product and all the people giving me intent signals and all the people experiencing the product through its life cycle, which ones can I most effectively sell to? Which ones have the highest potential? Uh, which ones are showing me they're ready for me to engage either through the product or with the salesperson. So uh, PLG as a category is another really mm. interesting set. And, and those two groups, they're not mutually exclusive, right? There are companies that start with a product-led growth motion and then evolve toward an account-based motion as they start to sell higher in their markets. And it's just really fun to be able to be a, a data foundation and a growth partner to those companies through that evolution. That's interesting. So the PLG is that synonymous with the, just a, a CPG brand? Like, is there? Or is there no, no. Is there for a... the um, for product led growth, yeah. yeah. Think uh, think companies uh, like Slack, right? Where you you okay. use the tool and and you know really leveraging that network effect, right? But okay. I think what's really interesting about product led growth as a as a trend as a category is it flips the script a bit on when value is delivered to the customer, right? So instead of, you know, traditional model, okay, you're going to need to go through this whole process and sign this contract. And then once you've signed it, you finally get to try the product, right? So you flip that around and say, here, try it. Maybe it's a freemium model, right? Maybe it's a, maybe it's a network effect, but you can, you can get value from the product before and as you decide that you want to invest in it. And that I think is a lot of what business buyers expect, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a, a strong motion, uh, whether or not you're doing it for your core product or it's a part of how you introduce it. You mentioned earlier that you had tried out the weekly visitor report. That's a yep. product led growth motion that we're that we're uh, using at Clearbit. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's something that is it's helpful for us right now as a brand 
which is not super common for us to, you know, have folks on the show that like there's that direct direct alignment. But, like we're that's where we're at. We're looking at B two B, you know, mm-hmm. marketing now and and experiencing a lot of momentum. And so we want to do something with this data, you know, and also find the right kind of data. So it's exciting, man. Um, you came into the organization. You're just over five months in. What stage was Clearbit at when you came in terms of marketing? What were some of the challenges they were facing when you joined? And then what were your first 90 days like? What are some of the things you implemented in terms of team, high-level process, technology? What did that look like for you? So first, I was very fortunate to join an extremely strong team at Clearbit, the, the demand team and the content team and the, the growth engineering team have created an engine. And we're very fortunate to have a a wide reach and a great amount of engagement with with the customers in our in our market. So my first thing, honestly, was don't break that. That's working great. So demand and content and growth, keep doing what you're doing. But there are other aspects to marketing, especially sort of corporate marketing. You know, how do we talk about the company and the mission and the vision and, wh- and where we're headed? And then product marketing. How do we help sales and customer success uh, talk about the various products and what they do and how they fit together in a, in a way that's consistent. And those had not been as much a focus area. So as a, you know, as CMO, those, those latter two, the, the company and corporate marketing and the product marketing is where I've focused on building the processes and hiring in the teams and starting to sort of put the other two legs on the stool, if you will. Mm, got it. Okay. I'm curious your, your kind of thoughts on this. It seems like more and more consumers are looking, certainly now, it seems like a lot of consumers are looking to support companies that have like a mission or they give back in some way, right? It seems Mm -hmm. like this trend is really only going to increase. And it also seems like well-rounded marketing plans should kind of take part in this development by Mm -hmm. partnering with some mission bigger than themselves. And Mm. I'm curious if you have thought about that or already doing that, if that's even kind of gotten to the table in the marketing mix yet at Clearbit. Yeah, it's a it's a really important question. And I think, you know, to your point, it it also needs to be genuine. There's a lot of ways to participate and 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 making sure that it's aligned with with the company and the value you create. And I think one of the areas I'm most interested to explore is that in a lot of ways, what Clearbit is helping companies and teams do is really understand that customer. Like really, really understand, like show up understanding what are they trying to do. Um, how can you be helpful to them? What matters to them? What signals are they giving you? What context can you understand about them and their business? And that understanding and connection is, is both super important and a little harder to come by. Now that so much of B2B buying has gone digital, and now that so many of us are working remotely. And so, you know, when I think about the types of uh, mission-related value that 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 clearbit is truly enabling for companies it's around really understanding that customer and connecting with that market in a genuine way and yes one that also drives business outcomes mm-hmm. uh, but staying connected to your market is um is only going to get more important love it so you you mentioned the demand team content team growth team is that kind of the 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 way the marketing folks is that what it looks like at clearbit those kind of three silos uh, yeah. And then we've got, we've got corporate and product marketing. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. And then in terms of being on the product side of things, cause certainly you will have influence there. How close are you working with the product? Uh, cause certainly you, you know, you're supporting the product on the marketing side, but I've, I've found that some CMOs 
often kind of get really tightly aligned with product and, and involved in the product uh, in deeper ways than just, okay, now let's take it to market. What's your kind of experience and, and perspective there? Oh yeah, it's a really interesting area. And, and we are, we're very closely tied with the, with the product team. And I think there's a couple of areas that are, that are top of mind for me there. So one is because we have a, a growth engineering team within marketing, we can build things. And so we can build things that uh, extend the value horizon of the product. You know, one of the, one of the ways I think about it is there's you know, certainly the, the value that a company creates is linked to its product roadmap. And you're okay, so I'm going to have this and create this value. But you can also extend the value beyond that roadmap, beyond the product roadmap horizon in a couple of ways. One is building things on top of it. And that's what we're doing in the, in the growth engineering team. But also you can do that with services, right? And providing expertise and providing guidance around that, that roadmap. So we do both and we, we really partner with the product team on how do we bring that value, like with that weekly visitor report you were talking about, how do we bring it closer to the customer higher in the funnel? Mm. The second thing we're playing um, a big role with the, with the product team on is how do we bring these different products that we have today closer together in the way that customers use them and, and think about them at Clearbit. So if, if you go to the, the Clearbit website today, what you'll see is basically four or five different products linked to those data activation points, right? So you, you use Clearbit to get the full picture, and then you can do any of these things with it. You can use it to put it into your CRM, or you can use it to make your website work better, or you can use it to you know, have better, more targeted and effective ad campaigns. Those are all pretty disparate today. And bringing those together into something that is more of a sort of holistic product experience is part of what we're working with uh, on, with the product team today. So mm, certainly that. a lot of overlap. Yeah, that's cool. And then also you've got, you know, you've got the sales background too. You know, you've got the sales BD world, you know, world. So, you know, the age old conversation about sales and marketing and aligning those two things, you know, me and myself come from both background in both marketing and sales. It was a BD before I got into marketing. So of course it's this age old thing, you know, and yeah. now you at the helm of CMO deeply understand the sales world, deeply understand the modern day marketer. And how do you kind of view aligning those two things? And now, of course, I mean, look at what you provide. You're literally providing what salespeople just love. It's like that really good data. That's going to help me, you know, provide some value. So you know, what's your thoughts on just marketing sales alignment, having come from that world, having been a leader in that world, and now a leader in this in the marketing world? Does it make you think about it differently now being a CMO? Uh, do you find yourself still having to kind of fight for that equal ground on both sides? Um, just just curious about your thoughts there. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's funny, as you, as you say, that, you know, certainly, I've certainly played the sales and marketing role and had both on in my domain for a bunch of different companies. And it is yeah. always really different. Like it's always yeah. really different, that dynamic, and it changes over time. At Clearbit, again, very fortunate to have a very well-versed and gr rapidly growing sales team who really get to understand with our customers what they're trying to accomplish and, and how data can help. It's really that simple, right? And, and what, what are you trying to do? And, and here are the recipes we have to, to help with that. One of the things I've learned being on both sides of the sales and marketing equation is that there, there has to be a balance between marketing's vision for, well, here's how, here's how we want 
to be viewed in the market. And here's how we want people to think about and value what we do. And then there's the sales reality of I'm on the phone with this person and they're asking for X. And there has to be a, a really close alignment between how do you how do you help reframe or or guide where you can the conversation? But how do you also understand and listen to what that customer is asking for? And if you can help them, help them. If you can't, that's okay. And uh, and I think it's easy for for that to be a source of that misalignment you you, mm-hmm. you point out. So so today the way we pay, we pay attention to that is really trying to understand from a prospect perspective who is it that's interested in using data in some way. And oftentimes I talked about those areas of like acquisition versus conversion versus operations. Oftentimes, those are pretty different people inside mm-hmm. an organization mm-hmm. and what they're, the way that they're going to use data and the way they're going to create value from the platform can be really different. And so we've got to be really attuned to that, right? Yeah. And, uh, and so that's something we work on very closely with sales. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, look, you, I saw LinkedIn, you guys have, you know, over 130, I think, employees at this point, you know, your growing organization doesn't seem like ClearBit slowing down. And as you add more infrastructure, to Clearbit and serve more customers and grow more at scale. To your point, thinking about these things, it's gonna it's gonna remain important and critical as you grow and how you navigate that, how the executive leadership team supports you and vice versa uh, as you get to the next level. You know, because the things that happen at this level will help you get to the next level infrastructurally, but they'll be different, and you'll have mm-hmm. more people and you'll have more perhaps complexity. You know, depending on on which angle you go. So, I'm curious about just growth goals there? Because look, I mean, I think I saw Clearbit raise some money, right? You guys raised around in a couple of years ago or something? A couple like of years ago. Yeah. We yeah. raised Series A a couple of years ago. So mm-hmm. raised around, you know, and obviously you're a growth guy, you're in charge of growth. And then you're literally your solution when, you know, executed on, when applied in some of these, at some of these brands is one of the biggest things as to why brands will grow by using what you do. And so now it's like, here you are, the steward of this amazing technology and this solution that's helping a lot of brands already. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's kind of like eating your own dog food. How fast is ClearBit going to grow now that ClearBits, you know, has a lot of this stuff mapped out for their customers? Yeah. You know, just I'm just curious about your thoughts on just aggressively growing, how to meet that with reality, you know, because you've got the data, you've got the information, you're certainly using the solution. Mm-hmm. You know, are you kind of one of those CMOs where it's like you just, Got, can't move fast enough? Or do you feel like you're trying to rein it in? You're moving so fast that it's, you know, it's fun. It's a wild ride. Like what's that kind of intersection look like for you? Yeah. 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 It's funny. It's just, it, it does get very meta, right? I mean, we're, we're using marketing technology to sell marketing technology, yes. marketing technologists. So it gets, yes. yeah, it's um, first from a market perspective, I think we're, we're fortunate to be in a really interesting and and fast moving time where almost anyone would would agree that the the B2B funnel switching toward digital and online buying has has really raised the importance of of data and understanding and now that much of the sales experience is mediated through these touch points right maybe it's chat maybe it's maybe it's email maybe it's the website all those need data to perform the best they can, right? And a lot of times that comes down to how can I reduce friction or increase speed or increase the relevance of that app-based interaction? So if you zoom way back from that, there's apps, 
that are doing all those interactions. And then there's the data that's providing that foundation and making sure everything is as smart as it can be when it's doing that. So that's the world we're, that's the world we see on the horizon. Mm. And um, so trying to be really thoughtful about, to your question around growth, how do we make sure that we're creating and capturing value in the most important ways in that landscape, right? You can do a ton of things with Clearbit, but what are the things that are going to have the most and the most lasting impact on our customers' pipeline, right? On their ability to predictably create revenue. And so that's where we end up getting rather choiceful, to use a word I picked up in my time at SurveyMonkey, but to be choiceful about where we where we dive into market segments and customer types and personas and use cases so that we're looking down the road at the most important places in that MarTech stack. Mm. And ultimately, what we believe is that the ability to put data to work in this real-time way and consistently is going to be an important part of nearly every company's stack. So uh, we're, we're not just a... Um, and we're not just a, a solution provider to, to our customers. We're really helping them architect that stack and build it out in a way that's going to make sense for their business. And everybody is you know, doing that at the same time right now. So mm-hmm. trying to uh, do that very quickly and grow very quickly, but also make sure we're focused on the areas that will have the most important and lasting value in that stack. How are, how are you adopting AI? There's a couple of areas that AI is really useful for us. So one is being able to understand and make connections between different data sources. Those could be, um, you know, public sources of data that we're bringing in. So, you know, the kind of full picture we bring, they can also be individual data sources within our customers. So even a, even a mid-sized customer say, you say, oh, where's your customer data? Well, there's some in the marketing automation platform and there's some in the CRM and they've got this thing over here and then we've got our email system. Mm-hmm. And so being able to understand and resolve identity across those systems is the kind of thing that AIML is very good at, right? How do I, how do I weight the probability that this is the same person? How do I look for patterns that allow me to, to resolve uh, across systems? The second is around signals. So a lot of separating signal from noise or helping a business understand uh, lead routing or scoring or, or what opportunities to focus on comes down to signals that combine that identity with intent. Who are you and what do you appear to be trying to do, right? I mean, and so, and again, AI helps us figure out based on who you are and what you appear to be trying to do, are you someone that the salespeople should pop a chat window to get involved with right this second? Are you someone that should go into a longer term nurturing campaign? Because it looks like maybe you're not quite ready for us yet. I love that. Do you have any kind of favorite campaigns that you've worked on in the past? It could be Clearbit or or elsewhere. I think I got the bug for early stage companies or growth stage companies in rapidly emerging markets when I worked on e-commerce stuff. So in from 96, Six until 2002, I was at a company called Four Point Partners, and we were building some of the very first e-commerce systems. You know, and that's where I was a database administrator. And I mean, literally, can you hook a database up to a web server and show people things in a way they can buy? Was what we were trying to do in 95, 96. But our our head of marketing 
Kathleen Cusack came up with a campaign that was very much about the architects, the builders. And we're in San Francisco. I remember we had this great black and white imagery of like, you know, the Golden Gate Bridge being constructed and people out on the beams. And like, it was this very visceral sort of a architects wanted kind of thing. And to me, it just really spoke to to both what we were trying to do as a company, but what I was trying to do, right? That's that's why I was there too. And so that campaign really stuck with me because it seemed really true to both the company and the uh, and the market they were trying to uh, trying to address. That's interesting. How how are you increasing your efforts to gather slash fully exploit first party data? You know, a lot of people talking about kind of winning in this new cookieless world. Mm. What what becomes really important, you know, to you in terms of, you know, I know people can use things like Google's privacy sandbox or you know, FLOC things like that to achieve personalization. But yeah. how are you kind of navigating this new you know, first party cookie world. So Clearbit has a couple of advantages there, which which both we we can use and our customers use, which is uh, if you're if you're using Clearbit and you're using something like the tag that you put on your website for the weekly visitor report, then that actually has a first party relationship between your website and the data you collect there, right? That's not some third party thing that then you've got to negotiate the cookie piece with. So if you've got a first party mechanism like that to understand the connection between especially your email and ad efforts, and then what's happening on your website, and then you can tie it back to uh, a data platform like Clearbit, that makes a huge difference. And, And I think Every company is probably somewhere in the process of figuring out what their version of that is going to be and how they create identity and measurability in a way that doesn't rely on, you know, what has been the, the third-party cookie ecosystem. So, but it's, it's super timely. I'm, I'm glad that we've got a couple, of, um, a couple of advantages to bring to that in the market. Are there other examples of things that you've noticed in that, in that changes and shifts in B2B buying? That's one of the biggest drivers in in our space this uh, these last couple of years. I mean, there used to be typically in the B two B space an interaction with a salesperson pretty early on, you know, and I think an expectation that yeah, you could see a little bit on the website maybe, but you're probably going to need to talk to the salesperson to get the real stuff, and that's just not the case anymore. I mean, as 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 a buyer, I would like to do everything on the website. Right. And yep. maybe even maybe even not have to talk to a salesperson. Or if mm-hmm. I do, I expect that when I talk to that salesperson, they're not showing up and saying, Hey, so who are you? What are you doing? Right. They should be saying, Oh, I it looks like you're this, it looks like you're this. Would this help? Would you I mean like and it's interesting because I think we bring as consumers, we consciously or not bring very high expectations about what we can get to online and how well an app or a company knows us as consumers, right? And B2B is, is in a lot of ways really just catching up to be as helpful and as uh, context rich as we've come to expect in the consumer space. Hmm. Do you have a favorite failure? Like something that maybe seemed like a failure at the time, but ended up kind of setting you up for a stage for something better? Yeah, I think I do actually. So Back to when I was a database administrator and programmer in the early, this is probably 97, I worked on a project at Silicon Graphics. 
which back then SGI was, was, you know, it was very, this big, big deal. And I was trying to build what they described as a content management system for a website. So I sat down trying to figure out how could you control what shows up on the page with like some kind of admin interface. I mean, and now I look back and like, that's silly. Like I was trying to sit around and, you know, basically build WordPress, um, (laughs) you know, and, and figure that out. And so the whole, I mean, it was wonderful working with them, but it immediately became clear that this was not a two week or five week project to build an entire content management system when one doesn't exist before. And I think it was probably that project that for me pointed me toward sales and business development rather than web programming. <laughs> so I, I think that ended up being a, a very useful turn of events. Oh, uh, I, I like need to it. be on the sales and marketing side of this thing. <laughs> mm, that's awesome. Yeah, but clearly, clearly that was a big, uh, that was a formative decision there, which paid, which was clearly paid off for you. So well done. Um, <laughs> I like it. Okay, let's do it. Here we go. Salesforce lightning round. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Salesforce brings marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Today, we've got Kevin Tate, Chief Marketing Officer at Clearbit, lightning round hot seat. Question number one, Kevin Tate, what is one ad recently that made you jealous? I read something recently about the Ask Your Developer ad. It's 10 years ago or so now, but, but, but the, the genius of the way that they planted that seed so simply with three words made me a little jealous. I love it. Your company profile says that you love to build things. What is the coolest thing you've built and what's the worst thing you've built? You know, I think it actually might be the same thing. So when I came out of school, my very first job was working on a robotic golf caddy that would use a combination of GPS, sonar, and line following to follow you around the golf course and carry your clubs. It was the most complicated and interesting autonomous robot you can imagine back in 1995. And I I think it was... I think it was both my favorite and and the most frustrating. <laughs> it was a little early. This was back when when GPS wouldn't tell you where you were. G- GPS would say you're somewhere within this 50 meter radius. Wow. I mean, it was a wow. long time ago, and uh, so yeah, I love it. Cool. Um, do you have a favorite book that you like to give away or recommend? I'm a big Crossing the Chasm fan. For the marketers, I think. The view that they created, uh, that he created around precisely defining your market and how you will capture value from it uh, is still my favorite. You're the second person that's mentioned that book. So that's (sighs) awesome. And then do you have a favorite band or artist? Honestly, over the years, I think it's Nine Inch Nails. I think it's Trent Reznor for me. I really do. I was a fan back in, you know, high school and college. And then the way that, he has transformed and creates amazing soundtracks with Atticus Ross. Now I, that to me, Trent Reznor is, is my guy. Mm, I love it. So if we do a CMO round table next year and we have you on the round table, who else would you like to be on that round table with you? You know, who popped in my head, Malcolm Gladwell. 
Mm. I enjoy the way he takes things apart. And I think it would be interesting to have him in the mix. He would keep cool. it fun. I like that. We need. I think we need to target Malcolm. His name has also come up as well. I think he'd do a show. We'll see if we can get him on. That'd be awesome. Awesome. Cool. All right. And then last question, really important question. Best advice for a first time CMO? Listen. I think listening and synthesizing before you start setting an agenda and a direction is really, really important. It's also really hard, right? As I think a lot of folks who find themselves in the CMO seat, we want to tell the story, want to point to like, that's how we're wired, right? Is pointing to the top of the mountain, tell the story about how to get there. But in order to bring everybody along with you, that has to be grounded, the sort of base camp for climbing the mountain, if you will, has to be based on what you hear and how you synthesize where they are today. And I think that's the, that's a real risk coming into to a CMO role is just take off running up the mountain and then mm-hmm. look back and realize that maybe, maybe you're not bringing everybody with you. It's great to hear that because I've asked that question to other CMOs and there's others that have said, it's the same thing. It's like, what's the, what's the one thing they've cultivated or the skill they would leave behind? It's listening. <laughs> Kevin Warren's the CMO for UPS, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They do probably 90 billion a year this year. And that, you know, to hear a guy, again, coming up in the ranks was at Xerox for 20 something years, went over to UPS as the CMO to talk about how important it is to listen. Mm-hmm. Marissa, Marissa Meyer, mm, when she joined, yeah. when she joined Yahoo, they, you know, really kind of attacked her because what she did when she first got there was nothing. She listened. She didn't, to your point, like, no, we're going here. Here's how we're going to get there. She took the first 90 days and just listened mm-hmm. and just connected. And and so to hear you say that is really amazing. And to hear you, I mean, that's, I think, so key. And I've heard many great humans like you say that as well. So <laughs> well, well done, sir. You, you, you <laughs> join you. the ranks of all these Titans that, that have come before you. So Thank you. Um, man, <laughs> such an honor, Kevin Tate. Glad you could be on the show. This is one of my favorites. We'll have to do a round two. And I'm serious about the round table. We'll get some folks to come back and we'll get you back on, man, and have some good dialogue. So thank you for being on the show, Kevin Tate. Thank you. It was super fun. Thanks for having me. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, The messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System 
has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.